at Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. My name is Alejandro Pinero, and uh, it's my honor this week to be joined by Jeff Long from AT&T, uh, probably someone who needs very little introduction, but I'm still going to give him the chance to do that um, for those of you that, uh, that haven't seen him on the road or doing all this exciting stuff at AT&T. Jeff, great to have you here and uh, speaking with us this week. Thanks for making the time. Well, thanks, Alejandro. It's great to be here. So uh, just a quick introduction. So I am uh, Jeff Luong. I am the president of Access and adoption uh, initiatives for broadband uh, with AT&T. Uh, my responsibility is to actually interface with um, you know, state, uh, local, and federal f- officials in terms of how do we expand broadband, close the digital divide, uh, and address other issues uh, where we AT&T as a premier connectivity provider uh, can do for the community. Brilliant, and lots to, to talk about on, in those uh, fronts. I'm excited to, uh, to dig deeper. Now, I wanted to start, uh, so for, for those listeners who join our, our Fierce virtual events, of course, Jeff did the opening keynote at our Digital Divide event about a year ago now, which seems crazy. Time is uh, really flying by, and I'm sure for you, Jeff, with everything that's going on, it's similar. So it's been about a year since we've heard from you here at Fierce. How how's it been going? There was a lot of uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening then. What what have you been up to for the last twelve months? Oh, it's it's been a crazy uh, it's been a crazy year actually, and, and I think there's a lot that has changed, and there's a lot of exciting things that has happened in the past year. Obviously, the environment has changed significantly. Um, you know, we have a better visibility and better understanding of what all the broadband subsidy fundings, uh, how they're being implemented, um, you know, how they're being utilized. How state and local governments are, are uh, enacting their programs. Uh, we AT and T has been very active in our participation of this program. Uh, we uh, I think we shared publicly that we've uh, engaged in over a billion dollars worth of opportunities with communities. Obviously, we don't expect uh, that uh, we will win a majority of that, uh, but we are very active in engaging with communities throughout the entire country. And uh, we share some uh, pretty significant wins across the country, uh, you, know, you know, namely Indiana is an area that we have a lot of success. We're also uh, having success in Texas, uh, Kentucky and Louisiana and, and some other states that we will be announcing soon as well, too. Um, you know, we're, we're very excited about the opportunity to work with communities and address areas that are previously very, very difficult to serve uh, with the private sector alone. And um, not only are we engaging in terms of winning uh, opportunities and, and engaging in contracts, but we're also actually providing service. We're actually really proud to announce that uh, uh, that within months of contracting with uh, Vandenberg, Indiana, we are actually providing uh, connectivity and we have over 2,000 homes already connected with fiber. We are actually... Um, you know, uh, on track of actually not ahead of schedule of our commitment to the county. And we fully expect uh, to meet, if not exceed, our commitment to complete the bill by the end of uh, 2023. And I actually wanted to to ask you specifically about Indiana, of course. Now, I've, I've read about your recent visit to uh, Vanderburg County, um, and it was quite refreshing because usually you read about CEOs and, and high-profile visits to the big places, right? Uh, New York, L.A., Chicago. 
you know, uh, you've mentioned these these early successes in in uh, in Indiana. Um, is this kind of uh, a, a something to to look forward to in other areas? Is that why you chose to visit? Why did you choose to take your CEO there of all places? Yeah, because that's where the digital divide, that's one of the areas where the digital divide uh, is most pronounced. And so, I, I, uh, you know, we as in the private sector and AT&T specifically has invested significant amount of money uh, across the country. And we have significant investment, obviously, in, in urban and suburban areas like the big cities that you mentioned, uh, you know, L.A. and Chicago and and, and other uh, now Dallas and other big cities. Uh, but, you know, the areas that's most challenged are in the rural areas and the rural areas, the need for broadband is, uh, you know, it's just as great, if not greater, uh, you know, and, and it's really important for us to make sure that uh, when there's an opportunity that we engage and engage aggressively uh, to support those communities. And I think it's also important for our CEO to understand the challenges of the rural community. Um, you know, we, we are here to serve all communities, urban, suburban, and rural, and there are unique challenges and needs um, uh, that's different, but the connectivity requirements is still there. So just to give you an example of what uh, we're doing in Vandenberg, Indiana, you know, we, we signed the contract to serve all 20,000 homes in the unincorporated portion of, uh, of Vandenberg, Indiana. To do that, to achieve that, we have to place 400 miles of fiber to serve these 20,000 homes. And uh, just to give you kind of a, a relative uh, comparison, uh, in my trip back from Vandenberg, Indiana, I had to drive three hours from Vandenberg, Indiana to St. Louis and then I took a 45-minute flight from, from St. Louis to Kansas City. And so from Vandenberg, Indiana, for that three-hour drive and 45-minute flights, that is 400 miles. That is the same amount of fiber cable we have to place to serve those 20,000 homes. And so a public-private partnership allow us in a free market environment to effectively serve that community we got great feedback, uh, both uh, from the elected officials in the community and from uh, customers and residents as well, too. They're super excited about the fact that we are now going to change the dynamic of that community and their ability to live, work, and play, not just for the years to come, because as most of your listeners know, you know, fiber is the premier solution and is as future-proof as, as you can be. And that infrastructure that we're going to be placed, it's going to be here for decades to come. And that will allow this community to thrive and to, to uh, embrace all the new technologies that will come with that, whether it's distance learning solutions, whether it's agriculture farming technologies that, uh, that we showcase as well, too, as part of the visit. Uh, this is a significant event for Vandenberg, and we would love to do a lot more of that. And that's why we believe that that was a great place for our CEO to visit and to uh, to understand and to celebrate what we've done for that community. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, on that front, you you obviously have spoken here about your your experience in Indiana. You've mentioned other states as well. Mm -hmm. AT and T has been very um, successful and aggressive in, in getting these these wins. What, what's driving this um, uh, you know this strategy for you guys and, and these early wins um, around the nation? 
uh, one number one is our focus on connectivity. I think uh, you know uh, our you know what we are today is we believe that connectivity is core to what we are as a company, and is the core of what the origination of how AT and T has started. And so connectivity, obviously, when the company started, was about the telephone line. Connectivity now for AT and T is about that broadband connection, right? And so and so and is and what. Our belief is that it's just not only to about you know, extending the connectivity and provide people the, uh, a broadband connection, but giving them the premier broadband connection, right? And we believe that fiber is the premier solution in terms of the capability of symmetric speed, symmetric gigabit speeds, uplink and downlink, and also layering on top of that our 5G uh, uh, capabilities, allowing people to not just have great connectivity of where they work and where they live, but everywhere in between as well too. So connectivity for, uh, from, uh, is, is the core to what we are as a company. And then on the flip side of that, from a, uh, from a community perspective, you know, obviously coming out of the pandemic, uh, the, the need and understanding of what connectivity is has changed dramatically, right? So when you're using connectivity you know, to surf the web, to maybe use it for just entertainment, uh, you know, you could actually tolerate some, you know, reliability issues, some latency issues. But now if you are working from home 100 percent of the time or even partial percent, uh, you know, a partial time, connectivity become very, very urgent. Right? These two way communications platforms that we're using right now uh, to do this recording, you know, we cannot tolerate you know, any uh, reliability issues that may exist in another type of platform, another type of technology, that's where you need the premier solution that, that's out there. And so we see the demand on that side as well to compound that with a public-private partnership uh, uh, in terms of leveraging federal fundings with private funding, allowing us to do more uh, with the combination of public and private funds enable us to address areas that are previously hard to address. And then the last piece of it, and probably the most important piece of it, is the ability to execute. Coming out of the pandemic, there are challenges from a supply chain perspective, there's challenges from a resource perspective, and now going to a area of uncertainty from an economic perspective in terms of, you know, is there going to be a recession? Is there not going to be a recession? You know, what does the capital market look like in terms of a rising interest rate environment, uh, equity valuations dropping? You know, I think these communities are very, very concerned that when they're selecting a partner, they want to make sure the partner is able to execute on their build and have the longevity to continue and sustain the infrastructure that they will have to build over a few years and then maintain for many years to come. And I don't think there's anybody that would doubt that you know the best company to be able to execute on that is AT&T, not just in terms of the execution of the build and that we illustrate that in uh, Vandenberg where we are where we make commitments and we exceed commitments. And then on top of that, I don't think anybody will argue that we are going to you know, be one of these companies that will be here for years to come to not just operate and maintain the network, but also upgrade the network. Because you know, we talked about how great fiber is today and we're offering you know, 2 gig, 5 gig symmetric speed. You know, we're working on technologies that will get it up above 20 gig uh, uh, capabilities and there are developments underway for even faster speeds to that. And I think there's a lot of confidence that AT&T will be at the forefront of the development and the rollout of these you know, greater capabilities.
Makes uh, makes sense. Let me let me shift the conversation a little bit. We've of course talked a lot about rural America. Mm-hmm. Um, they're of course a big part of that digital divide conversation. But um, you know, it's not just about access, and uh, there's also the affordability piece when it comes to um, to the digital divide. And cities are very much a part of that conversation. So. What about cities when, when it comes to your strategy and, and bridging the digital divide and, and you know, creating access for all? Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. And actually, uh, you know, we just recently announced that we've contracted uh, with the city of Amarillo to build out not the, not the edges of the city, but the urban core of the city. So uh, most urban cores are currently served uh, in some methodology uh, by cable companies, uh, obviously to various extent. And there is a strong desire uh, for a comprehensive solution in these urban cores. Number one, making sure that they have good, reliable broadband services uh, that will support the needs that I talked about earlier. Secondarily is having somebody that could provide a comprehensive solution to closing the digital divide. Uh, number one, from a comprehensive perspective, is an affordability component of that. Uh, we offer AT&T a $30 solution uh, for low-income individuals that qualify um, that when paired with ACP, the Affordable Connectivity Program, uh, which is part of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, the federal government will credit these individuals or these households with $30 in, uh, in federal credit. The combination of uh, of that is zero cost to these individuals. And so we are actively marketing that and actively uh, uh, educating people on how to go about taking uh, advantage of that to get 100 megabit symmetric speed off of a fiber network, basically for free, free installation, free equipment, free monthly fee uh, when they qualify. And 40, according to the Biden administration, 40% of the households actually qualify for that. So we believe that that's a great solution to address the affordability component of that. And we have nationwide pricing. And so our pricing is fair and, and, and consistent across the country, allowing folks to, to take advantage of the value of uh, this high-speed connectivity, whether they're in an urban area or a, or a rural area, they pay the same price in terms of the pricing for the service. So that's one piece of it is the on the affordability side of it. The other piece of it is on digital literacy. It's really the adoption piece of it. It's making sure people, uh, first of all, understand the value of, uh, of the internet. For most of us that use the internet on a regular basis, it's almost second nature to us. It's, you know, everything we do is online, but there are a segment of the population that haven't been able to experience that and doesn't understand that that this is something that they need to do now. There's so much that is on the on the digital economy now, and there's so much more that's going to transition down the path, and they will be left out if they don't have uh, these uh, capabilities of accessing the internet. So number one, educate them on, on on that component of it, and then number two is the digital literacy component of that. You know, making sure that they understand how to use it once they see the value in it and making sure that they, uh, from a language perspective, there's not a language barrier to address that, making sure that they have a gateway in terms of a way of getting started in the process. And our Connected Learning Center is a great example of that. Uh, you know, we're deploying 20 Connected Learning Centers across the country. 
um, in various areas and in various communities. And the thing that I'm really uh, most proud about these Connected Learning Center is that we're doing this in partnership with local nonprofits. Prof- uh, uh, these local uh, organizations uh, not only has the facility in the right places where uh, people are readily uh, congregating, it, they, these uh, these organizations also have a connection, whether it is to um, you know the African American community, whether it's the Latino community, whether it is to the Asian American community. Um, you know they have that uh, uh, understanding of cultural need, and they also have the uh, language uh, capabilities to ensure that they could walk these people through the process, making sure that they not only see the value, understand how to take advantage of it and utilize it, but then also just as importantly, the security aspect of it, understanding how to use the internet safely and securely and not compromise uh, anything uh, uh, that they may inadvertently do. Yeah, I have to say it's it's great to hear uh, an executive from one of the big carriers, right, such as AT&T, talking in this detail about that need for digital literacy as well, of course, as affordability. I think that that's the, the right path that we're on as an industry to, to help bring connectivity and, uh, and those right devices to the right folks, which, which is great. Let me, let me um, ask you a little bit about the, that funding piece. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the 400 miles of fiber to, mm-hmm. to get to in Vandenberg County in Indiana. That, that doesn't come cheap, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly fiber isn't and, and any other access technologies. And, and uh, you know, those economies of scale are, are hard to obtain in, in these areas. So I wanted to ask you about a couple of different, I guess, mechanisms or funds that, that uh, I assume AT&T has been uh, dipping into. And, and you've talked about the public-private partnerships. Of course, that's uh, that's a, uh, a basic part of, of how this is happening. And, and I, from what I understand, this uses money from the American Rescue Plan. So what what's so important about this bucket of money? What, um, you know, how is it being utilized in, in AT&T's case and, and by these communities? And um, does it run out? And what happens then? Yeah. So, so, so when we talk about these government fundings, I think a lot of times we talk about in generalities. The reality is that there is actually a lot of different buckets of funding. And in order for us to execute well, in order for us to serve the community and for the communities to understand uh, what is the best way to uh, move forward in a public par- partnership, they need to understand the rules and the requirements and the timing of each of the funding. So a lot of what we have done over the past year is associated with not just American Rescue Plan Act funding, but a very specific component of the American Rescue Plan Act. We were uh, we've been utilizing uh, uh, SLFRF, State Local Fiscal Recovery Fund. So that's one component. That's the three hundred fifty billion dollars of funding that could be utilized for a variety of stuff. Broadband is just one small com- one component and a small component of what that's being utilized for. But that fund has a lot of flexibility, is, is provided to state and local governments, and we have been out there working with state and local government in terms of utilizing u- the utilization of that fund. A lot of that fund is being utilized now, and we believe that that fund will actually be allocated, a lot of that fund will be allocated by within you know, by the end of 2022 and definitely by the beginning of 2023. The next set of funds that is actually now being uh, starting to get rolled out and starting to be available for uh, entities to work with is the American Rescue Plan Act Capital Project Fund, which is a totally different fund. It's a $10 billion fund 
that is more specific to broadband-related items. So that $10 billion plan is, is something that's administered at the state level and must be approved by uh, the U.S. Treasury. And the U.S. Treasury has done a great job approving uh, these plans for various states. And we're seeing that uh, funding starting to get rolled out. And we are participating in a lot of these state programs, but they're very specific and they're defined in terms of how the funding is going to be used. And so we believe that that opportunity is going to play out probably into 2023 and maybe going into a little bit 2024. Then the biggest fund is associated with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is, uh, and there's a component of that, uh, which is B, broadband equity access and deployment. That fund is 40. $3 billion, it's $42 and change billion. That fund is actually managed by a totally different uh, uh, federal agency. It's managed by NTIA in the Department of Commerce instead of um, U.S. Treasury. Uh, that fund will actually be allocated to the states sometime, we believe, next year, early next year. Then states will have to develop a plan that will be have to be approved by, uh, by NTIA before the funds are made available for these type of public-private partnerships. And we believe that that will likely occur maybe end of 2023 and going into 2024. And that fund has about a four-year span to, to be expanded. So if you think about the American Rescue Plan Act, the ARP, American Rescue Plan Act funding, started a year ago and will likely la- will end in 2026 by statute. It actually expires in 2026 where the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the B funding will likely start in 2024 and go to the 2028 timeframe. So it is very important that you got that you understand the timing and what funding is available and when, and the rules associated with each of these specific programs, because they're very, very different in terms of what they could use for and how to shape the partnership to get the most out of these programs uh, both for the community and for the entity that is uh, building the infrastructure. Well, you know, I've, I've heard it said that it's almost a once in a generation time in terms of federal funding for, for these projects, but it certainly sounds like a bit of a maze. I imagine it's been a, a learning curve even for, for you guys at AT&T in terms of, uh, you know, managing these funds and, and learning the processes and working with partners, right, in terms of accessing them. Yeah, it is a maze, but uh, we have a great team of folks uh, that uh, are well educated in it. Uh, we have a lot of experience uh, doing this type of work. Uh, and uh, to your point, it's a once in a generation uh, item and we don't have a choice but to understand it and to and to make sure that we work in a way to get the most out of this, uh, to get the most people connected. So by the time we're done, we hopefully will get Internet to all across America. Yeah. And and on that front, I mean, you know, I think your role is, is kind of a testament to how strongly AT&T is pursuing these federal subsidies and, and uh, you know, going out there and working with these communities. Can you tell me and the listeners, of course, a little bit about how that strategy works? How aggressive is AT&T going to be in terms of pursuing these uh, these federal funds and subsidies? Yeah, so, so um, my role is just a small part of our commitment to these programs. Uh, I would tell you that um, I, I just happen to be the face of the work that we're doing. The reality is that we have a lot of great people 
that are working on this program. Our state external affairs teams are engaging with state and, and local officials throughout the uh, the country, our federal team is engaging with NTIA and Treasury and really trying to work with them to make sure that the rules are, are, are uh, appropriate for us to get the most out of these funding to, get, to serve the most uh, locations. Uh, and I will tell you that there's a huge team behind that in terms of our product teams and our network team that does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of making sure that we identify great opportunities to, uh, 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 to work on and then also more importantly, execute on that uh, in the way that we're proud of and that the communities have confidence in AT&T to deliver. And so, so there's a big team of people. I just happen to be uh, fortunate enough to, uh, to be able to be their cheerleader uh, in terms of uh, what we're doing here in AT&T. And I think that is absolutely required. Uh, this is not, you know, we talked about the complexity of these programs. This is not something that you could dip your toe in and do as a part-time effort. This is something that really requires structure, focus, strategy, and execution for us to uh, to deliver this. Because what we're talking about is something really, really hard to do in terms of building network, but then even harder in terms of trying to uh, create public-private partnerships and executing uh, uh, um, you know these type of uh, programs. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure it's, um, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg here, which, uh, which I think is a testament to, to the complexity. Uh, Jeff, before we, we wrap up, I also want to get your views on the technology. Um, and uh, I want you to perhaps dip your toes here in terms of uh, what, uh, what you think the big winner will be. Of course, we've talked about fiber, uh, there's cable out there. A lot of talk about fixed wireless. I assume everyone has a role to play, but but you're the you're you and your team are out there. You're in the field. You're seeing what these uh, different um, scenarios are like. Who's going to be the big winner, or or what can we perhaps expect to see in terms of deployments over the the course of the next few years with uh, more of these deployments? Yeah, so I'll address that question with basically facts, right? I think I'm not going to project who's the big winner or, 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 or that type of stuff. The fact of the matter is fiber is the best technology. There will be nobody that will argue that uh, fiber has the capability of providing the greatest speed from a, uh, both upstream and downstream, uh, the highest reliability, low latency, it's also the most efficient to operate as well, too, right? There is a passive network, doesn't require a lot of electronics. Uh, the ability to upgrade those speeds in terms of supporting needs uh, in the future to come. So there's nobody, it is fact that fiber is the best technology. And if fiber is the best technology, we should all try to deploy fiber to as many locations as possible. So just from our perspective here in AT&T, being a wireless provider and a, a wireline provider, every opportunity we look at, we look at, at it as a fiber first. But not a fiber only, because there's going to be some places that's going to be really, really challenging to deploy uh, with fiber, and we believe that with 5G and the capability of, uh, of the mid-band spectrum that we have secured, um, that, fi- that 5G fixed wireless is a solution, but it's probably a stopgap solution. It's a solution that is not going to be uh, sustained as long as, uh, as fiber, but it's a good solution in, in some very challenging areas. And so the, our focus is to deploy fiber wherever we can, 
And then what we cannot, then we look at wireless as a, as a, a fallback. And even wireless is going to have its limitations. So a lower orbit is going to be a solution. It's going to be a very limited and a niche solution, uh, but it's going to be a solution nonetheless. And so we do support the fact of considering all technology to serve uh, everybody, uh, but absolutely fiber is the solution that we should be considering first and try to uh, 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 try to implement that in as many locations as possible. Makes sense. And, and I think, Jeff, um, I'm going to put you on, on the hook here to say, well, we're going to have to speak to you again in a year and check in on how we're doing in terms of those uh, deployments and, and catch up again. We, we've, uh, as I mentioned at the top, you, you participate in our Digital Divide event. Um, and it's just fascinating to see everything that's happened since then. And, and it sounds like there's a, a lot of road ahead. So, uh, I want to, yeah, congratulate uh, you and your team. And uh, I'm very excited to see how this progresses because, you know, I think building um, reliable access networks to bridge the digital divide is, is a huge, hugely important mission for our sector. Uh, not to say perhaps the, the most uh, important when it comes to people's lives and and um, and the way they communicate and work. So, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing where you guys go. And of course, uh, yeah, thank you so much as always, Jeff, for your time. It's been a pleasure having you here. Great, thank you. Appreciate the interest. Great, and to you listeners as always, thanks so much for tuning in. We will be back next week with more. Until then, take care and stay safe. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Follow us on Zencaster to get the latest ICT insights each week. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites, FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon.